Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Twisty Pod. This is a very, very special and in some ways very emotional episode of the Twisty Pod. It's very different than most of my other episodes, which of course you know tend to be very lighthearted, upbeat, and just kind of a fun time, but I was approached by Nicole just a few weeks back, and since then she's become a close friend and somebody I just have the utmost respect for, and she has this very beautiful and vulnerable story that she was brave enough to want to come on the podcast and share with you all. So this episode is our conversation speaking all about Nicole's history of her eating disorder, particularly with anorexia. And with that being said, just straight from the get-go, if that is something that you are not comfortable hearing, we both completely understand. And I would encourage you to just maybe click off, find a different episode that maybe would be just a little bit more lighthearted for you if this is not a topic that you are comfortable hearing about. We do get very vulnerable. We did our best to not include many triggers or suggestions, tips, etc. But regardless, it's a very authentic and raw conversation. And first and foremost, I just want to applaud Nicole for being so courageous and really feeling compelled to want to share this story for the betterment of others. And I just, I love her so much and I'm so proud that she would want to open herself up to be able to help you. Even if this is not something that you can relate to on a personal level, I think it's so important to learn about and to be educated about and to learn more about eating disorders than maybe what we are told by mainstream media. And it's it's just a very, very good conversation, not to toot our own horns. It's very unedited. It's just very raw and honest. And I really hope that you do enjoy it. Also, just to provide a little bit more background, Nicole and I caught up before this episode. She shared her entire story with me. And I, of course, let her know that by no means am I certified to offer her advice or professional help. There are wonderful eating disorder therapists and more resources that I will be leaving in the description box for this episode, as well as different books to read and just accounts to follow, things that I think will be very helpful. My experience can only come from disordered eating habits of my own that I've experienced throughout the years, as well as just my experience of dealing with eating disorders in my family as well. So Nicole knows this, and I just wanted to also let you all know as the listener listeners that any conversation with me is just friend to friend. I'm very, very humbled to be sharing Nicole's story with you all today. I love her so much. Please show her the kindness that I know you all embody. I love you all so much and I hope that you are really able to hear Nicole and to understand her journey. 
do you have like a, like a cute little intro I can like just, or if you just want to say like who you are, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh God. I've never thought of an intro. I'm used to introducing myself to like my professors. <laughs> give me an icebreaker. Give me a fun fact. <laughs> fun, oh God. I'm not I'm totally fun kidding. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> okay. Thank God. <laughs> okay. So I'm Nicole Motchman. I am 20 years old and I live in Germany. I've been living here since the middle of 2017, but I was also born here. I moved when I was two. So I, I had never really lived here. Awesome. It's completely different from the US where I grew up in. <laughs> I'm studying currently at a university here in Germany and I'm studying business psychology. And I plan to study, make do my master's in psychology in the future because that's kind of the direction I want to go in instead that's amazing thank you (laughs) have you always wanted to get your master's or would you want to go teach with a psychology degree or open a clinical practice or something so the reason I'm studying business psychology is kind of complicated but I just wasn't able to study psychology here in Germany in English because I didn't want to study in German because I understand English better (laughs) and I I speak it fluently but I don't like reading in it or expressing myself in German, especially in like a university setting. So I had to settle on business psychology, which is basically what it sounds like business psychology. So use psychological aspects in the business setting. Sure. Like how you get somebody to buy a product or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like marketing or human resource management. So definitely still within a company. That's fascinating though. It is. It's just not my ultimate goal because my ultimate goal has always been helping people. And I feel like Hmm. I also want to do my PhD in in psychology. So I feel like that will get me to my goal more than business psychology will. But this at least is a stepping stone. And that's why I want to do my master's because otherwise I can't get there. Right. And then once you have your master's, possibly a PhD as well. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I don't mind. I don't really know what I want to be. I don't mind being a therapist. I don't mind being even just teaching psychology. I don't mind because I think a lot of people can learn from it. I know I learned a lot, but like I said, the ultimate goal is to help people. Um, I also want to do my personal training certification. Heck yes. (laughs) But I can't afford it yet. So that has to wait, but it's something I've always wanted to do even when I started working out, Mm -hmm. but I was too young to do it. So I couldn't do it. So now I'm just waiting for the money. I was the same way. And I highly encourage you to, I mean, I know you want to pursue it, but like save up even just like little nickels and dimes here and there because it is a big chunk of change. But I think even just the education of it all is so helpful. And I mean, I just started, but I've loved doing it or finally just committing to it after wanting to do it for so long. I think you'll see just how rewarding it probably will be. And I'm sure it will also tie in very well with your degrees. At least it seems like it because there is a lot of psychology that goes into training and obviously I mean, as we're going to talk about, like, it's so much more of, you know, a mentality or even just affects your mental health just as much as it affects your physical health too. I think you will thrive. I'm so excited for you to do it when the day comes. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I also can't wait. Yeah. It's also something that I don't feel like I'm forcing myself to do. Like right now I'm going through a little bit of this business part in my degree and I really don't enjoy it. Right. Right. And the psychology part I do enjoy. So 
it's one of the things I enjoy and I'm not forcing myself to do, which is why I'm also looking forward to doing it. And like I said, helping people, that's another way to help people. That's my ultimate goal. Love that so much. It's such a beautiful way to approach a career, like just wanting to help others, you know? Because I feel like I'm helping myself as well, if that makes sense. Because I feel like if the people around you are happy, you're also happier. I feel like I can just see that in you, even from the short time that we've gotten to know each other. Like you just have this beautiful desire to want to help others. And I I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like that was one of the reasons that we're even connecting now today because you do have a really beautiful and powerful story. And I think that coming and wanting to talk about it and share it and being so vulnerable with yourself is very, very brave. And I commend you for just wanting to share your story, but also because you have a really great intent behind it and wanting to share it with people that hopefully will receive the positive elements and like the good morals of the story as well. Yes. Thank you so, so much. That honestly, it means so much to me. And when I sent you the email about coming on the podcast and talking about it, like I said, I don't, I'm not like a influencer. I'm not like someone who has a following or anything. So I I didn't know if I was important enough, but you are more than important, (laughs) more than important. Thank you. Like I said, though, with my story I know it's similar to so many other people's story and I feel like when I hear other people's story at least when I was recovering from my eating disorder it helped me a lot to hear their stories so I feel like mine can help other people who are going through it right now right or even maybe help prevent people from getting to that point because a lot of people don't really notice that they have it or that they're kind of diving into this really, really deep hole. I mean, with that, I think that we should get started if you're comfortable. I mean, (laughs) just dive right in. (laughs) Um, I guess just like starting from the beginning here, your journey with your eating disorder started when you were pretty young, you around 13 or 14 years old. Yeah. So I, it was about at the end of 13, beginning of 14 that's kind of when everything started that's kind of when I started taking the steps to becoming healthier I guess or that's kind of that was the intent behind it of course but even just kind of this want or or this desire to be I don't know having the perfect body or whatever it, it kind of came beforehand even though I was very skinny not very skinny but I was skinny as a kid and I went through puberty obviously And when I was growing, I had such a fast metabolism. Whatever I ate just kind of went down the chute. And I don't know where it went because it didn't go (laughs) on my body. And that, I remember even this girl in middle school, she was like, oh, wow, I wish I had your body. And that was middle school. Like, that's, that's really sad. That's right. That's so young. That's very young. And during that time, you are the most vulnerable. It's like I said, after you go through puberty, it's when you change the most physically. And I think you also develop a lot mentally and you mature a lot as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a very dangerous place to be because so many things influence you. Right. And so many things get to your head. And at the same time, you don't really know how to deal with it or how to respond. And so, yeah, it's difficult to control. Yeah. So if, if you do, or if you don't mind, what were some of the the beginning signs that you started to see? Or I guess, what was that initial moment of your journey that you started to realize, yes, I'm really young. I'm at this really formative age, but 
you know, my health journey is kind of taking a twist. So how it started off was I remember I was getting brunch and someone told me I got ice cream at the end of whatever we were eating. And that person told me, if you keep eating ice cream, you're going to get fat. Just that sentence. And it stuck with me forever. And that's what kind of forced me to start working out. Not because I thought I was fat, but because I just wanted to become, I guess, better at exercising in general. I remember I was always the last person to get picked for whatever the gym team, like soccer team, basketball team. Right. And I just wanted to be able to get better at running. I did. I wanted to be able to run the mile without feeling like I was dying, for example. Oh my gosh, the mile. Bring back the memories. (laughs) The mile. Oh, it was terrible. And the pacer test. I don't know if anyone else. Oh, gross. Yes, of course. (laughs) That thing was evil. Oh gosh, bad childhood memories. That was terrible. So yeah, things like that. I didn't want to be embarrassed in gym class, basically. Sure. And by embarrassed, I just mean my, I'm so uncoordinated and unathletic or I was at the time so that was my ultimate goal and I also I was skinny fat I guess you could say so I was skinny but I was I didn't have any definition muscle whatever you want to call it sure but it wasn't exactly a physical look I was going for it was just like a part of it if that makes sense yeah so when things started taking a turn was I would go to my apartment gym and just run on the treadmill because I didn't know what else to do. And in my mind, I just thought you just had to do cardio. And I was a cardio bunny and I was just running almost every day, eventually turned into every single day. And that's when it started to get really dangerous because Mm. my other habits changed as well. But I started to see my weight drop. And in my mind, that was, oh, my weight is dropping. So I'm losing fat. So the fat's going away. And I started to eat only healthy foods because I thought sugar was bad. I thought fat was bad. And that's, that was the main start of it. So that was, I would say, beginning of 14. Can I ask you where you started hearing some of those myths? Like, you know, sugar is bad. This is bad, et cetera. Mainly the internet, I would say. And also even just at the checkout line, you would see those, th- those magazines that like staring at you, mm-hmm. like how to lose Tabloids. 15 yeah. pounds in a week or something like that. And that's kind of where I started seeing like cut out sugar or cut out fat, try out this non-fat yogurt, stuff like that. And right. that's kind of what was engraved into my mind. And like I said, at that young age, you kind of take everything and you think it's true. You don't necessarily do your research. Of course. And that's, yeah, that's what ultimately led me to my downfall. And I started noticing that when I, whenever I ate something that wasn't healthy, so like chocolate, a donut, something like that, I would go up to the apartment gym and I would be just running and trying to burn off all those calories because I thought that I sinned basically. And I was just trying to make up for it, which um, is the worst mindset you can ever have, I think. (laughs) Right. But I mean, it, what you were almost trapped in that mindset because of these outside influences that got into your very young adolescent mind and started, you know, turning switches and whatnot. Exactly. And another major turning point, I think was when the Fitbit came out, 
I also got a Fitbit and I was looking at that thing all the time. I was tracking my steps and it wasn't even accurate at that time. I don't think so, at least. (laughs) No. (laughs) And I didn't want to sit down because I thought I wasn't burning enough calories. I I couldn't just be a normal person. And that's really sad to me. I thought I always had to be moving. And in reality, Mm. we don't always have to be moving. I mean, even now I'm really sitting for most of the day well okay now I have a dog but otherwise I was sitting for most of the day especially during quarantine and you have to be okay with that but I wasn't and those are the starting those are the signs that you have to look out for because that's what's really dangerous because that's when you know it's it's messing with you mentally and not only was I physically underweight but I also eventually got to the stage where I was cold all the time where I kind of had this brain fog so I felt like I was in a bubble all the time I didn't feel like I was in reality if that makes sense I always felt like I was in a dream because my mind just wasn't working properly because you weren't fueling your body enough for the amount of exercise that you were doing yeah exactly and Mm. my I swear my brain was just not getting enough energy and I think that's also the reason why I didn't even notice I was doing something wrong. And I just thought that everything I was doing was me being healthy and me trying to achieve this goal. When in reality, I just kept seeing the number on the scale drop and I just wanted it to go lower and lower and lower. Right. And that's not a good goal to have. If anything, even for people that are losing weight, I don't necessarily think that they should be focusing on their weight. They should be focusing on the way that they feel. Absolutely maybe have their clothes fit or whatever but just not on the number on the scale because it's so invalid it mm-hmm. fluctuates all the time I could go on the scale in the morning it'll change by nighttime yep it's just honestly you should just throw it out because it's absolutely terrible it's the worst it's the worst and I do think it's so important to highlight what you just said which was you thought that you were doing all of the right things like in your mind you thought that everything all these, you know, healthy things that you might've been trying to eat or just exercising every day. You thought that that was exactly okay. You know, because that was what you were almost told. It was what you were marketed. You didn't, you didn't know any better and you didn't know the slippery slope that was starting to occur or the illness that was kind of curating in your mind. Yeah. I, that, that's the most dangerous part. And people Mm. don't tend to notice it because even though you think you're doing the right thing, you're kind of hiding it from everyone else. You're hiding these behaviors. So people can't really catch on to what you're doing. And you might try and act normal, I guess, in a setting, in a room full of people, for example. But on the inside, you know exactly that what you're doing is different from everyone else. And you think that what you're doing is right for you because you think you're different from everyone else so you think you you can't eat that because of your metabolism but other people can because they're normal people if that makes sense I know what you're saying totally so yeah my eating disorder did start taking over my entire life because I started to isolate myself from anyone and everyone except for my best friend because she is the only one that 
stuck by my side, even when I didn't want her to. And even though she didn't exactly understand what was going on, because at the time I didn't know that I had an eating disorder. No one knew at all. People noticed that I was losing weight, but no one really thought, oh, you know, she has an eating disorder. When you start substituting hanging out with your friends with going to the gym, that's another sign that you need to look out for because at the end of the day, you only have one life. And if you really want to spend that hour at the gym and you want to say no to your friends because of the gym, right? I don't think it's very healthy at all. And in the end, I think you'll look back at that and you'll regret not having hung out with your friends because you didn't make those memories. Right. Instead, you were suffering because you forced yourself to go to the gym. Yeah. I didn't know, like I said, that I had an eating disorder. I didn't notice. And when it kind of struck me was when I walked into the room, my mom's room, and she looked at me and she just kind of was in total shock because in that moment, she kind of just saw exactly how skinny I became. And that's the moment where she said, okay, you can't cook your own food anymore. You can't go to the gym anymore. And she just kind of forbade me all these things that I was doing. And I felt like I lost control completely. And I, I obviously, I can't say no to my mother, but I still got very upset and I was crying. Right. And I didn't really want to show her that because I still thought that I was right if that makes sense. But then again, she's my mother. So I can't really go against what she says. Right. But she was trying to do what she thought, you know, was best in in protecting you. Of course. And I think the biggest factor of having an eating disorder or the mental illness is that you want control. Like that's two things you can control what goes into your body and how you're moving your body. And when that control is taken away, I'm sure it just sort of spiraled you. Yeah, of course. And like I said, my mind wasn't in the right place because when you have an eating disorder, your logic is not actual logic. You try and justify all of your actions with these really stupid reasons or these reasons that make absolutely no sense to someone who is thinking straight. Right. So when she took all of these things away from me, I thought, oh my gosh, she doesn't want me to be healthy. She does. She wants me to get fat now. What does she want from me? Mm-hmm. And in obviously, all she wanted was the best for me. And she obviously didn't know that I was completely terrified and traumatized at the time because when you have an eating disorder and you see, you don't. You, I don't think you're necessarily scared of the food, but you're scared of anything that will make you gain weight. So you're scared of the food because you think it will make you gain weight. Right. And like you said, it's something that you can control. And when that's taken from you, you feel like you're completely hopeless. If you imagine, let's say you were scared of spiders and someone put you in a room full of spiders, that's what it was like for me at least. And I'm sure that's what it's like for a lot of people who have to, for example, go to an inpatient clinic Or maybe their parents also said, okay, you have to stop working out. You have to eat whatever we give you. That's the kind of terrifying feeling that you get in that moment. And at this point, you were about 15. I had it for about a year, but it got really bad at this point. Or this is like the worst point. It was the absolute, what's it called? There's the peak and then the 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 resolution peak. 
Oh, 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 I know what you're saying. Um, the, I'm thinking Valley. What's the word? Uh, I thought Valley as well. Well, it was my absolute lowest point. Lowest point. That's what I would like to say. Exactly. So I was at my skinniest, uh, at my lowest weight. I, I won't mention any numbers because I know that would have triggered me back then. Yeah. Thank you. And that's when I realized, okay, so maybe I do have a problem right. and I want to go to a doctor because hearing it from a doctor is almost like a confirmation. So I didn't want to believe it hundred percent until I heard it from a professional. You decided you wanted to go see a doctor. Yeah. That was your decision. That was my decision because I was also, I think, hoping a little bit that the doctor would say that nothing was wrong with me mm. and to prove my mom wrong. But in the end, I was the one that was proven wrong. And it's good that I was the one that was proven wrong. Right. So you had your ego still in, in the mix, but in the end, it ended up probably being a huge blessing because, well, the doctor had important things to tell you. Exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> we went to the doctor and the doctor didn't see me for a while. When the doctor saw me, she already, she immediately noticed, she didn't say anything, but you could see it in her eyes mm. that she noticed how much weight I lost since the last time I was there, which I think was a year or something ago. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, so she took my weight and everything. She took my blood pressure, my heart rate, everything and she did a few sample like a blood sample I believe and a urine sample and all of that and so that's when she diagnosed me with um, anorexia she said yes you have an eating disorder your mom is right and you do have anorexia and she also told me a few other things. So she said that I had been damaging my liver and that if I didn't start eating then I would be damaging it even further. Also right. that I had bradycardia. So my heart rate was very, very, very low. And you might see that with athletes, but it it's not common for a normal person. It was sure. definitely coming from my anorexia because it's common to see that in people with anorexia. Can you explain what is the key factors of anorexia or really what anorexia is? So anorexia is... When someone restricts their caloric intake to a not recommended amount, sure. um, it's very much under the recommended amount, or they might not even eat at all, and they might be starving themselves completely. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot to do with their mental health. So it's not necessarily just them starving themselves. You also see a lot of other obsessive behaviors that they might be doing so right. for example with me I know even kind of using the same plate or the same spoon or using the same mug huh. there are things like that because I would get really freaked out if I didn't use the same utensils because I thought that they would change something totally. it was kind of just like this constant in my life because everything else was kind of you know I couldn't control that so that was the, my way of like controlling what I could right Right. No, that makes complete sense. Thank you for explaining that. And I think you also started to mention the different health side effects that the doctor was pointing out and diagnosing you with. What were some of the other physical things that you started to notice with your body that maybe aren't as talked about as frequently as just the weight loss, the rapid weight loss? 
So there's a lot that people don't talk about. Like I mentioned before, I was cold all of the time. So in the summer, I would be wearing sweaters. I would be wearing jeans. I would be wearing just anything that would be that would keep me warm and everyone else was in their tank tops and in their booty shorts and they were living their life I was there I was freezing like I said I was I was having a lot of brain fog so I was in this bubble all the time I also started growing these tiny hairs all over my body and it's called lanugo if I'm not butchering that and that's basically your body's way of trying to provide more warmth because it's it doesn't have enough energy to warm itself right so that's like a last resort that it goes to and as I also mentioned the bradycardia so the very abnormally low heart rate and also low blood pressure there's a lot that goes into it it's actually really scary yeah what else was there your hair loss is not a big one right my hair loss so I would brush my hair and if you looked at the brush there would be clumps of hair that would just be that would have just fallen out. My hair was so extremely thin and brittle. I can't even explain it because my hair is so much thicker now. Right. And I remember I would be brushing my hair and I would pull out this clump of hair and I would just be thinking, oh my gosh, it looks like I'm actually dying because I'm losing my hair. My skin is so dry. I'm growing these hair, these tiny hairs all over my body like a baby. Things like that made kind of force me to realize that I did have a problem and it was very scary, but it was also very necessary in order for me to accept that I had a problem and actually want to do something about it. Right. And I think that's so powerful and important because a lot of people can't have that same recognition. The illness, like you mentioned, is fogging your mind so much. You can't even see these things that maybe all of your loved ones are noticing in you. So Obviously, you go to the doctor, she tells you all of these really quite scary things. How do you, I guess, like, what what, what happened next? Like, where do you move forward after just getting, like, horrifying news? My ego was crushed, kind of. I was (laughs) like, okay, so I'm, I'm not right. But at the same time, I felt some sort of relief. In a way, it was like this unconscious relief because I, my body obviously knew that what I was doing to it was not good for it. And I think that that relief was, oh, I need to eat now. Mm -hmm. And even though that was so scary, it kind of, it made me feel like, okay, maybe everything's going to be okay. I just need to eat and then everything's going to be okay. I will get over all of this. I just need to eat. And obviously it's not that simple. But that's kind of how I felt in the moment. And it was a really good moment for me to accept that I had an eating disorder. And like I said, that's the first step to recovery is accepting that you have a problem. And the second step would be wanting to do something about it. So I actually thought, okay, I want to recover now, but how do I go about it? That was a little bit more complicated. Did you ever seek professional help from a eating disorder therapist or was it more just like you had to try and navigate this on your own what were you trying to do for Nicole unfortunately I didn't get professional help I wanted to but there were so many things personal issues that were going on that didn't allow me to get professional help and so I was kind of left to battle with it by myself and I only had my best friend at my side who I could talk to all the time. And I'm so thankful for her. 
because she was basically my therapist and my best friend and my sister, basically, even though I don't have a sister, Mm. all in one. And it must have been so hard for her to see me go through that. She helped me so much. And even though she didn't really know what she was, she couldn't really respond well, because obviously she can't offer any medical advice. I still had, I felt like I could at least talk to someone and share my feelings with someone and be completely honest to someone and just kind of have this comfort. And she provided that. And even in my darkest times, even when I still felt like I should be able to exercise and I wasn't allowed to exercise, she would always be the one to kind of pull me back to reality and say, yes, but you can't because you know, you're in a bad place. That must've been so incredible to have such a positive friend and loved one there, like really watching out for you and not making you feel bad about the position that you're in, but really trying to come from a place of love and wanting to get you to be in a recovered state. I'm sure that must've been so, so helpful for your recovery. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people, they don't understand exactly what anorexia is what an eating disorder is and they just think you need to eat and everything's going to be okay like why don't you eat it's so easy just put food in your mouth you swallow it that's not how it works not with someone who has such a messed up mind and the fact that she actually she was doing her own research she was finding ways to help me that was really I really appreciated her for that because I felt like I had someone who was actually caring about me and who was actually trying to understand me and not just trying to fix my problem without knowing what is wrong with me. If someone's listening to this and they maybe are in your position and they're wanting to open up to maybe it's their best friend or their mom or someone that they trust, do you have any suggestions for how you approach that kind of conversation? I really think it depends on the type of friends and the type of parents that you have. Some parents might not be so open-minded, I would say. Yes. I would definitely just start off with saying that you're going through something that's, that you're not really sure of, but you know that you have a problem and kind of easing your way into it like that. Because like I said, you might not really be accepting of your problem right now, Right. but it's the first baby step to kind of maybe accepting that you have an eating disorder or maybe even just disordered eating behaviors, because I'm sure you can see a lot of people that try to diet, they kind of slip away into this disordered eating behavior and they kind of claim it as a diet or just something they're doing temporarily. But in the end, it really messes up their mind in the long run. Right. And what about vice versa? If, uh, you want to approach somebody that might be your loved one that you're seeing patterns of disordered eating, or maybe you might think that they have a eating disorder. How would you say that you would approach that conversation with somebody who's going through it? So that's really um, very complicated because Mm -hmm. if, if my best friend would have told me that I had an eating disorder, I mean, she definitely wouldn't have just yelled at me and said, you have an eating disorder. Definitely don't do that. Please do not do that. That is the worst possible thing that you could do. You kind of have to ease yourself into it as well. You kind of have to say, don't even ask them, is anything wrong? Because 
they're going to respond with no, everything's okay. Of course. You kind of just have to say that you are maybe a little bit concerned about them, that they haven't been acting like themselves. They seem very out of it or they seem very irritable all the time and you're kind of wondering if there's anything maybe you could do to help or maybe you just offer them someone to talk to maybe about just problems outside of their eating so just talking about anything because like I said it's more about control because I know I was trying to control things that were going on outside of my life so even if I had someone to talk to about the problems that I was going through Right. That probably would have eventually led me to telling them more about my eating disorder, like I did with my best friend, because she knew everything that was going on. Right. So maybe it's best to not even mention anything regarding eating in general, because I mean, it would be very natural to have somebody respond defensively because that control might feel threatened, but almost just coming from that, that place of care, as you're describing, I think sounds like it would be an appropriate approach. And I think that if you knew the person enough and you knew that they maybe wouldn't get offended by something like what I'm about to say is there are some YouTube videos out there that are just these short films and they kind of, they kind of show anorexia, like as a person trying to take over this other person's life. And I feel like for some people, that's very eye-opening. That sounds familiar. Like I've definitely seen beautiful demonstrations of an eating disorder, maybe from people who have never experienced it. So it's kind of this eye-opening portrayal. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people say for anorexia, they call her Anna as an Anna is controlling you because ultimately your eating disorder is controlling you. No matter how much you think that you're controlling it, it is controlling you because ultimately you start making decisions based off of what your eating disorder tells you to do in your mind. That's how you think. So now you're in this stage, if we're going back to your story, where you you want to be in recovery. You want to recover from your eating disorder, which as we mentioned, is so incredible that you had that acknowledgement that you wanted help and that you were seeking it in some form, friend or loved one, or even just having that doctor's appointment, I'm sure was so imperative for your journey. So walk us through like the next part of your beginning to recover. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I had to eat everything that was put in front of me. My mom told my grandma to cook all of my food because my mom was very busy at the time. And I lived with both my mom and my grandma. And she definitely advised her to kind of focus on more calorie dense foods and maybe not even healthy foods more like junk foods just anything that had calories in it and that's something that really terrified me also the doctor prescribed two insure pluses for me to drink which are like these basically weight gain uh drinks that people in the hospital sometimes get if they can't 
eat properly. Right. I was also very terrified of, I was terrified of calories in general, but liquid calories, especially were something so, because you weren't chewing it, I think it made me so scared. Right. And so I had to eat everything that was doused in oil and no matter what it was, I had to eat it. And I was, um, like I said, very traumatized. Like my mom and my grandma, they wanted the best for me, but I was also keeping this trauma to myself because I wasn't telling them. I was kind of just accepting it in their eyes, but on the inside, I knew exactly that I wanted to cry every time I ate. And I usually did, but like by myself, not in front of other people. Right. And that's basically how it started. So I was forced to eat everything. And I thought that I was supposed to be eating clean foods, healthy foods, whatever you want to call it. Because I thought, oh, if they give me all this junk food, then I'm just going to gain even more weight. But ultimately, that is the goal. And when you are in that position, it doesn't matter what you eat. It really does not. As long as you are eating something, it depends. If you're very, 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 very underweight, then you definitely need some medical attention um, to kind of guide you through that because that increase in food might be might be very dangerous for you. So right. definitely get medical help if you can. Eventually, after a while, I started experiencing extreme hunger, which is a feeling that I can't really explain. You you can imagine it's basically I was starving my body for so long that my body was finally yelling at me. Mm -hmm. And even though I had been eating what was provided, my body was like, this is not enough. And you need to feed me right now, right now, and just give me whatever it is. Some days I was eating even upwards of 10,000 calories a day. And for me, I was, I was very skinny at the time. So it looked like I was a balloon with stick arms and stick legs because I had all this food in me. I was still very skinny myself though. And I wasn't actually gaining any weight except really? for the food in my stomach or the water in my stomach, which is so uncomfortable. I would be going to bed. I would be sweating. I would wake up. I was sweating. Sometimes I would wake up to go get food because I was so hungry. I felt so lost at during this time because my mind, all I thought about was food. I mean, it did anyways because of my eating disorder, but it was a different kind of thought. It was more like, I need food right now. And even when I felt like my stomach was going to explode, I still was so hungry and especially mentally hungry. It's also something that's really scary because you go from like all this restriction mm -hmm. to all of a sudden just eating everything in sight and you start wondering, do I have binge eating disorder? What's wrong with me? Sure. But it's actually extreme hunger and it's actually something that's definitely been studied on where people have starved themselves. And then when they start eating again, they start experiencing this extreme hunger. Is that a common <laughs> side effect of recovery from anorexia? I've definitely heard a lot of people go through extreme hunger and including myself. So I would say that it is a common side effect. And like I said, it's very scary. But if you are going through that right now, please try your best not to be afraid because a lot of people go through it and it's something that your body really needs. Like I said, I wasn't gaining weight in the beginning because everything was going to my cells. Your body is so fascinating. So it was putting all of this food that I was eating in one day 
putting it into all of my cells. It was trying to fix, you know, my heart. It was trying to fix my liver. It was trying to fix everything that I damaged, but it definitely took a while until it kind of simmered down. And that's when I finally started to gain weight towards like the middle to end of this extreme hunger phase. So you're giving your body what it wants, but what it wants is to feed the functioning portions of your body. I see. Okay. That makes sense. And it's crazy because before I would have thought, oh my gosh, if I, if I eat an extra apple, I'm going to gain so much weight. And here I was eating 8,000 calories maybe, and I wasn't gaining any weight, but some people do gain weight in the beginning already. So that's also completely normal. Every single person is different and it's (laughs) important to um, notice that it's important not to compare yourself to other people's recovery. It's you can use their recovery to kind of help motivate yourself to keep going. But I wouldn't say try to copy their recovery exactly because it's going to be different for you. That's so important. Every person's different anyway. So right. That's so, so important. Our bodies are amazing. I mean, I'm so sorry I did that to my body. <laughs> we really shouldn't do that to our bodies. It's so sad and I'll get into that later, but (laughs) yes. So I did relapse, unfortunately, a few times and I won't get into that because ultimately I was just repeating some behaviors until I wasn't anymore. And that kept going back and forth. Right. But that, but that's good to know. I mean, that's good to share because you know, when you're going through it, you can feel probably so defeated, but knowing where you are now, knowing that you are recovered even though you did have those few moments, like that's okay because sometimes you might take one step back, but then move maybe two steps forward. I just think that's, it's good to share. And thank you for, for telling us that. Yeah, no problem. I also always think that way that, you know, progress isn't linear, no matter what you're going through, it's never going to be linear. So it might be, you know, up and then down and then up and then down. Ultimately you want an upward trend. Of course. Like the stock market, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep <laughs> sorry that came into my mind you're such a businesswoman I'm, a business I'm psychology. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking about that no, um, I love it I love it but, yeah you want this you know you want to in the long run you want to see yourself moving forward and moving up you don't want to keep spiraling down that's ultimately the goal of course yeah so eventually after my relapses stopped I was a healthy weight according to the BMI scale which I hate the BMI scale but screw the BMI scale yes please screw the BMI scale (laughs) my goodness I I don't even know if I'm I think I'm classified as overweight now for the BMI scale. So am I. And I, I don't want to get into that, but do not trust that. <laughs> do not trust that scale. stupid thing. Exactly. No, it's, <sighs> I, it needs to be updated and outlawed by every yes. medical field. It, yeah, it's, it's horrible. I swear that thing is so old and it's so misleading and I just, I hate it so much. But according to the BMI scale, I was a healthy weight, but I was on the low side. So I was kind of stuck in what they, what some people call this quasi recovery state, because ultimately I should be gaining a bit more weight at least. Right. And I wasn't though. And I was just eating at maintenance and I was, I was in a much better place than when I was starving myself, but I still should have been eating more. And I think people also need to understand that for a lot of people, it is much better to gain 
more weight than their starting weight before their eating disorder because eventually your body you know it adapts eventually usually that falls off for some people it doesn't but that's completely okay no matter what but just kind of get all of your hormones in check I knew that my hormones weren't in check because I had hadn't had my period ever since the start of my eating disorder you tend to lose your period not everyone does because everyone's body is different, but I lost mine quite in the beginning, not even when I had a full-blown eating disorder, but when I started restricting, I didn't have my period anymore since since I was 14. And I also didn't get it back until three years later when I was at a healthy weight for a very long time, but other things needed to change for me to get my period back. At this point, I was about 16 years old end of 15, beginning of 16, something like that. So my anorexia kind of became more of an orthorexia. I was allowed to make my own food again eventually. And I was focused on eating very healthy food, very clean food. Would you also mind explaining what orthorexia is? So orthorexia is an eating disorder in which you are only okay with eating clean foods. So you still have many fewer foods. So you don't eat for example, junk food, because you think it's very bad and you're still very scared of it. That's ultimately it. It's how eating disorders are mainly about how it affects you mentally and how it affects you physically is a side effect of it. That's kind of what orthorexia was. I was focused on the typical healthy foods that you hear. I also started doing If It Fits Your Macros. Online website, right? Which you kind of like plug in your your height, your weight, that sort of thing. And then it gives you your macros. Yeah, exactly. So, and your macros are your protein, your carbs, your fats, and you get assigned a certain amount of each. And then you should track those until you reach your goal weight or whatever. But I wasn't even trying to lose weight at this point. I think I was just trying my best to maintain my weight. I was still lower weight than when I started before my eating disorder. So that's also important to note. So I was just trying my best to hold my weight at least I wasn't starving myself, but still it's not a good place to be in because ultimately you still can't go out with your friends and go get pizza or you can't go to the movie theater and, you know, get your popcorn, stuff like that, because you want to be able to measure everything and you want to be able to track every single calorie. And it's not something that you want to do for the rest of your life. I think it's okay if you learn about your macros, just kind of figure out what your body deals with the best, like, with a higher carb diet, do you feel more energetic with a higher sure. fat diet? Some people might be able to do it, but not everyone because some people, they develop an eating disorder. Exactly. Even though it might not be anorexia, it's still obsessing over something that you really shouldn't obsess over. I know that at this point, you know, you've kind of been in the the heat of your eating disorder for two years or so. And I know you said at the beginning that you would go to the gym or something in in place of hanging out with your friends. But at this state, was that still something that you were compromising? Or would you say, no, I'm sorry, like I can't go get dinner because it wouldn't fall under what I would be able to track? Yeah. So I still wasn't, I still was very much isolating myself. I wasn't isolating myself that much at school anymore. I was at high school at this point. And I, I would talk to people during lunch and stuff, but 
I was the one bringing my own lunch, you know, so that wasn't something I had to worry about. And I was still saying no to kind of hanging out with people. But at the same time, I was working three jobs. So I didn't really have time for that. And I was really the only person that could have made my food because my schedule didn't align with my mom's or like my grandma's. So ultimately, I was in control again of everything I was doing which isn't a good thing, I think, at the time. But like I said, it was still at least a step forward. So and not a step back in this case, I still had obsessive tendencies. And I also started working out. I also want to mention that Um, I strayed away from just pure cardio. And I started seeing, you know, these women on Instagram that were lifting weights. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I should try that as well. And I definitely think that I should have waited longer until I started working out again because I still wasn't recovered to 100%. I still had compulsive and obsessive tendencies. And I think that people who are recovering from an eating disorder, they need to be in a much, much, much better place mentally and physically. And they need to be in a stable mental state as well Right. until they start working out again because Obviously, you might not be restricting yourself anymore, but you're still kind of putting that energy into a bad habit or a bad behavior tendency, whatever that may be. And for me, that was when I started weightlifting. I didn't really take any rest days and I shifted my focus to wanting like this physical this physical goal. So I wanted to have a small waist. I wanted to have like a bigger butt. And I basically wanted to change my genetics. Totally. Which at the time I didn't know. Yeah. Like based off of what we were seeing on social media. Exactly. Yeah. And ultimately I'm a very boxy person. Like I, I might have an athletic figure, but I don't have hips. I don't have a butt, like I'm half Asian. So I've worked very hard for my butt, but it's not going to ever look like, (laughs) it's not going to ever look like, oh, I don't know who, who's butt, but there are many butts out there. So lots of butts. (laughs) Lots of butts. (laughs) Um, But I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that genetics plays such a crucial role in muscle building and all of that stuff. So I just kind of, I just thought, okay, I'll lift weights. I will get this amazing figure and I will be happy. Ultimately, I thought that like changing my physique would make me happier in the long run, but I don't think that was ever the case. Of course, so not. no matter at what weight or physique I've ever been at, I I think the happiest I've ever been is when I was okay with eating normal foods again, right? And eating whatever I wanted in yeah. yeah, being able to just eat freely. And I think it's important, like you said, that you maybe should have waited a teeny bit longer because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but from what I'm gathering, weightlifting became like your new cardio. It was another way to transform, I guess, or like have a different kind of control. Yeah. A hundred percent. I put my energy into weightlifting And I was so focused on bodybuilding and I saw people on Instagram competing. And I was also thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'll compete as well. And I think a lot of people with eating disorders go through the same phase if they Mm. look at the same things that I was looking at back then. And it's just, 
like I said, you're you're still not in a good space mentally. It's hard to make those decisions anyways. It's hard to kind of say, okay, I'm going to hold off from working out. But it, I feel like maybe if you hear that, then it might ease it a little bit for you. And you might be able to say, okay, I will wait a bit longer or I will take my rest days. I will eat enough to fuel myself and to recover from my sessions because I wasn't, I wasn't doing that myself. I just had, I had a few of these notes that I'll send you it afterwards if you'd be interested, but have you ever watched Love Island? I have, um, the German one though. (laughs) There's a German one. I, is it in German though? Yeah, it's in German. Yeah. I love Love Island and I know it's like so cheesy, but I, I just love that there's so many episodes per season. Usually there's about 60 because it's on every single night that it's happening. And these people are on this Island for six weeks. So you get to know them so long and it's not an Island. So whatever, but anyways, um, yeah, it's like a house, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But there's this one girl that I really liked and she was on season four of the UK. She was a former surfer or like competitive surfer in I'm guessing in Britain, but she was on like an international team. I digress. She has been very vocal about her eating disorder and shares it a lot on her Instagram. And she just hosted her eating disorder therapist for an Instagram live the other day. And I watched it because I wanted to kind of like do research for this. And it was also just really, really fascinating. And it was coming from the perspective of someone I would say who is maybe in recovery or almost recovered. And then also her therapist who had so many important, like good things to say. And then they recommended all of these good books. And I just thought it was fabulous. The eating disorder therapist that I was listening to said that if you think about how much control or how much these controlling habits take over your life, because of course it is an illness when you're recovered or in your in that state of recovery, something so important to remember is how much time you will get back. And I think that that's something I had never thought of or something I maybe had never heard of myself. Once your mindset is not always thinking about food, it's not always thinking about exercise, then you can maybe dedicate time to your loved ones. You can dedicate time to your family, maybe your school, your studies, your work, all these other areas of your life that you almost put on the back burner for however long you are suffering with your illness, because that's where your mind goes. And it's like that brain fog that you were describing. And once you're in the recovered state, like you're almost free in so many ways, but then you also just have like this whole new world in front of you where you're like, gosh, I, I just feel like I'm finally able to give so much of my time back. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but I thought that was really, really powerful. (laughs) That's not, I don't think that's cheesy at all. And I can agree to that 1000% because when I look back at how I was living during these times, I mean, even when I was, you know, in recovery and I was already at a healthier weight, I was still obsessed with the gym and, you know, obsessed with eating healthy foods and all of that. I still was so focused and thinking about food all the time. I was thinking about when am I going to work out? I was thinking about this. I was trying to plan every single second of my day. And it, it just took so much time away from me. And yes, I was working jobs. So that's also what took time away as well. But of course, I don't even think I was able to enjoy the little things like talking to my coworkers, because in the back of my mind, I was thinking about 
okay, when am I going to go to the gym? Or like, when's my next meal going to be? And what is it going to be? And right. It, it's just so sad. And I waste, I feel like I wasted almost so much of my, not childhood, but teenagehood or like high yeah. school experience even yeah, because I was just so focused on just <laughs> on food and the gym basically. Right. And it's really sad. I don't wish that upon anyone. And I wish just everyone just goes out there and, you know, they experience high school the way you're supposed to experience high school and they do things with their friends and they make all these memories because I wasn't able to do that really. Right. And seek the proper help that they deserve. So you started talking about your lifting experience. Yeah. So the thing is that I started lifting weights at my tidy apartment gym upstairs Mm. and they didn't have much. So I finally got a membership at Equinox, which is this luxurious gym. Oh my gosh. I was just going to say, (laughs) woman. I honestly forgot how I got into this gym because I know that we didn't pay the full price. I forgot what what kind of connection we had to like the manager at the gym. I don't remember, but my mom mom helped me with that. And God, that gym, I'm dreaming about that gym. I want to go back. I've seen pictures. Like it just looks like dreamier than dreamy. Just oh, yeah. so beyond beautiful in every way. Oh, yeah. And that's also where I really started lifting weights, I would say, because beforehand mm-hmm. I was just kind of following like these YouTube videos or fitness blender videos. And I was just trying to, you know, imitate them. And I didn't really know yeah. what was going into it. And it took a lot of research for me to educate myself more. And it took a lot of mistakes for me to learn from them. So when I finally went to this gym at Equinox, you get like this free uh, one-time trainer thing. Hmm. And he made me do these trap bar deadlifts and he put some weights on. I did it. It was easy. He put more on and I did it. It was easy. And then he was like, I forgot what the numbers were, how much weight I was lifting, but definitely like good numbers for a beginner at least with heavier weights yeah and he was so surprised and he was like oh wow I didn't you are quite good at this and I was like I didn't even know that I was that strong um at least for a beginner in (laughs) those heavy weights and so yeah so that's kind of when yes I was focused on bodybuilding but I also thought oh wow maybe I can also become stronger as in hit new PRs and all right. of that good stuff. So right. he made me realize that. And oh. yeah, I wish I could thank him, but I don't even have any contact to him anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, what an incredible turning point for you in your yeah, journey. For sure. Yeah. And also going to this gym because my apartment gym obviously only had people from my apartment. So that might mean like an old grandpa or of course <laughs> people, like that. people that don't really lift weights so seeing all these people around me and also equinox I feel like a lot of I want to say maybe more knowledgeable people go there as mm. at least that have more knowledge about fitness or at least people that can afford like a personal trainer from there and their personal trainers are really really good I mean I couldn't afford any but I just, just by talking to them, I could tell like, okay, they know exactly what they're doing. They are specialized in their own fields 
And it was just a great gym to go to, to learn more things because there was also always two trainers that were on duty, I would say. And if you ever had a question, you just ask them, they could help you kind of formulate like your workout for the day. Not all the time, obviously, but just to start off, it was a really good place. Highly recommend. So expensive though, but highly recommend. Yeah. They make the money worth it. There you go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I definitely started doing a lot of research because it really interested me to see just exactly how capable our bodies are and how they work and how our muscles work and how the food works for our muscles and things like that, basically. So that was, like you said, a major turning point for me. And I'm so grateful for that because those, that was also the time where I started getting like people coming up to me and they'd be like, oh, you're so strong or you're so inspirational because you're working so hard. And that always helped push me forward. I was still kind of struggling with this balance between working out and life and my jobs and food and all of that, but I was making a lot of good progress. I also hired a coach named Nico Medina. I don't know if anyone knows him, but when he wasn't as popular, he's a little bit more popular now. I was still thinking about my physique and I was like, oh, if I have him as my trainer, then I'm going to get this amazing physique. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like coaches, they will get you a physique. But I think that in my head, I still had this kind of desire to compete eventually, maybe. And that's ultimately why I wanted him to be my coach. I don't regret working with him. I definitely do not. I only worked with him for a couple of months anyways. Like he gave me my macros. He helped me become more. He never knew I had an eating disorder, which I would like to say that you should tell your coach if you get a coach that you had an eating disorder, because that's very important. And I know that he's helped people like get their period back and stuff. So I don't know why I didn't tell him, but I didn't. Um, Nonetheless, he still helped me with challenging my fear foods without him knowing it so he would be like oh yeah have a free meal and then I would be able to eat whatever I wanted in that meal and that really helped me without him knowing he helped me through a lot because like I said I never told him that I had a problem or anything I just told him that I wanted to build some muscle and that was my goal and yeah obviously how was he supposed to know that I was struggling with an eating disorder beforehand. Right. Ultimately, he helped me. So I would like to say that and thank him for that because I never thanked him for that. And it's been a while since I spoke to him. So yeah. I'm sure that would mean so much to him. Nick, if you're listening, we love you. We do love you. (laughs) I had to stop the whole coaching thing though because I couldn't afford it anymore. I also had to move to Germany due to personal reasons. And that was another major turning point for me. So I moved to Germany and I had my own tiny, 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 tiny apartment as in like a room, basically (laughs) almost like a dorm room. It was good in a way because I had this honeymoon phase with Germany. I was like, oh, all my problems, I left them in the US and I'm not going (laughs) to have them anymore. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, I can start over new. Everything's going to be like in the movies, everything's going to be okay now. And right, right. No. Um, oh. Well, <laughs> I mean, things got better in the beginning, at least. I lived more spontaneously. So I was hanging out with friends more. There were days where I wouldn't track 
my macros. And that was the first time I had ever done that. So, wow. Yeah, that was like a big change for me. And obviously, no one knew that I had an eating disorder. I still wasn't open about it at this time because I, I was still in a recovery process at this time, for sure. I mean, I still am to this day because I'm not like 100% recovered, but still, it helped me a lot, the move initially, at least. But then eventually, I was very homesick and I missed a lot of things in the US. And even just like, this is where you also know where my mindset was still kind of flawed because I even missed, I guess, like less guilty substitutes for candy or chocolate bars or like protein cookies, for example. You don't have much of that in Germany. You still do, totally. but it's not that much variety. And I would be like, well, if I want that protein cookie, I probably have to eat like a regular cookie. And I was still kind of iffy about that. So that challenged me in a different way, but it also helped me realize like, okay, Nicole, you're not, you know, you're not quite there yet. There's still a lot more work to do. At least in regards to food in the United States, people want to offer so many different varieties to so many things, or there's, you know, you go to even the gas station and there's like 20 different types of protein bars. But when you're in Germany, or at least for me in, in Italy, it was like, a protein bar? Like what the heck are you talking about? Or you'd find something that was like a cereal bar of sorts, but the nutritional facts were different or like, it felt like all of a sudden you went from knowing exactly what you were putting into your body to being a little bit confused and all of the things that you were used to were no longer accessible to you. Yeah. I don't know. I also just feel like diet culture is different here. I don't want to say it's completely different, but I feel like in the U S once once like a a fad or a trend like a diet trend goes out it kind of spreads like wildfire and here I don't think it's that easy for it to spread and so Mm -hmm. even just the thing with you know protein bars I I mean they definitely have more here now but it's still nothing compared to what they had in the U.S. and it's mainly because a lot of the people here I think they're still very much used to eating I want to say normally, they're used to eating normally, how they grew up eating. And a lot of people don't really have a problem with that because it's just different. It's a different atmosphere. And maybe we're like sold these fad, stupid diets in the United States that aren't as frequented internationally. I mean, I'm sure every country has their different things that, you know, they struggle with, but I, I just found that it was so much more prominent maybe because I was more aware of it in the States, but like we talked about, like the tabloid magazines or the, the things that we're told to eat or not eat, or even low fat, like it's such a stupid made up thing. And yeah. I remember my dad, he always tells me this. He visited the U S by himself and he asked someone where he could find butter. And they were asking him like, Oh, okay. What kind of butter? Like, do you want like the it what's it called it tastes like oh it tastes oh. just like butter oh <laughs> uh, you can't believe it's not butter something like yeah. that he's like what do you mean just give me the fucking butter yeah <laughs> he's like just give me normal freaking butter like, right why? is it not that complicated because my dad is a very skinny guy just naturally and also he just eats whatever the heck he wants of course um and yeah. he also is not a fan of like diet soda or anything like that he wants like the full fat he's like a proper 
I guess, German when it comes to food. Totally. So, yeah. So he was like, where's the butter? And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? You know, that's the whole thing, you know, eat in moderation. I know my dad eats in moderation and that's also. Everything's healthy in moderation. Exactly. Right. And I also, I'm pretty sure that butter is better than the fake stuff, you know? Probably. You're exactly right. Might as well eat exactly what you want instead of some chemical made up product. Yeah. That's such a good story. (laughs) Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> yeah, so I, like I said, I was unhappy, homesick, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I, not only that, but I, started experiencing a lot of pain in my left shoulder and I already knew you know everyone knows that you're not 100% symmetrical and I could tell like my left trap was bigger than my right trap and I was experiencing lower back pain and so I went to the orthopedist and he did an x-ray told me I had scoliosis and so I was diagnosed with scoliosis which is basically when you have a curve in your spine and he was like, yeah, you really can't lift heavy weights anymore. And so that was, oh my gosh. Yeah. And before this, I kept injuring myself at the gym, like just small injuries, but it would always got further and further away from my PRs that I was hitting before. And so he said, yeah, you know, you have to be careful and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I was going through such a hard time because lifting was also kind of my only outlet. So it was a lot of challenges for me I was like oh no I can never you know compete in anything now and this and this and that and ultimately like now my problems have gotten worse with my scoliosis unfortunately you're kidding thing is I usually get massages and also in the U.S. I didn't know I had scoliosis but I still went to the chiropractor okay and I feel like he helped me a lot and here for some reason my insurance doesn't cover chiropractic so I used to get massages like every month but with corona and all of that and everything being closed (sighs) I yeah I just feel in pain and I try and stretch and you know they always say stretch 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 but it doesn't help I'm sorry it doesn't (laughs) make my bones it doesn't like straighten my bones or anything like obviously it's good for you but it doesn't fix my problem and I can't get operated on because it's still mild scoliosis. So it's about 20 degrees, the curve. And otherwise, it's just, it's, I think it has to be at least 40 for you to get op- an operation. Also, like lifting weights without knowing that I have it um, kind of made my muscles also very much develop unevenly. Sure. I just kind of, I had to accept that I wasn't ever going to lift as heavy as I did before ultimately all of this eventually led me to unfortunately start binging a lot so that's another I would say eating disorder I was not diagnosed with it so I don't want to like just say I had binge eating disorder but I definitely binged a lot so I would be eating 4,000 calories 5,000 calories 6,000 calories all at once in one sitting wow and the next day I would feel so bad about myself. I would go on so uh, like bike rides, you know, I would just try and burn it off. Like 
in the beginning where I was restricting and still trying to burn off everything. So it was another thing with food again. I don't know why it's always food, but I feel like it's, I couldn't control what I was eating. Like I couldn't stop myself from what I was eating. And I, I felt so lost because it was a whole new eating disorder for me basically and I definitely struggled with it and I was like I said new country living by myself not having the same friends I did and it was just a lot of changes for me to handle so I turned to this other eating disorder that I also don't think many people talk about Mm. and yeah I also think though a lot of people that diet they also experience this I don't know if they experience it to that extreme because I definitely did also have like weeks where I'd be just be binging every single day. So it was definitely a problem. But I also knew this now because I think my experience beforehand kind of made me aware that there was a problem that I knew of now. And obviously it wasn't normal. I also started to cancel on my friends again just so that I could eat. So it was just very, it was a very bad time again. And do you think that this is a binge eating is in a way like a form of relapsing? I guess it is. I never thought about it that way, to be honest. I guess it is kind of a form of relapsing. Maybe there's a better word for it. Right. Ultimately, I definitely see that eating disorders can transform into other eating disorders. I think you have to be careful when you're recovering that you don't kind of put all of your energy into another eating disorder that you just I would say focus on trying to eat like you were when you were a kid that's like the ultimate goal you know eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full that's what I would advise to everyone but obviously it takes such a long time for you to get there and everyone takes you know their own path and their own time so yeah I'm more so in that place now I still have those days where I do binge eat but eventually I came out of that back then um I met my boyfriend and he was like the best distraction I guess you could say but also he he provided me with that comfort again so it was like in place of my best friend who I still talk to and no one will replace her but (laughs) At least I had someone physically now who could say, you know, everything's going to be okay. He helped me through a lot. Eventually, I got past that. Definitely when I was binge eating again, though, I remember that someone asked me, like, are you pregnant? And I was... Kidding me? (laughs) I um, I was in shock and I was crying so much because I knew that I had gained so much weight in such a short amount of time. But for someone to say, are you pregnant? Oh my God, that was, oh my God, I can't even explain it. It made me so, it wasn't even anger. It was, maybe it was a little bit of anger, but it was mainly like me just feeling so bad about myself. And I felt so depressed because I was like, oh, I can't control myself anymore. And what is going on with me? Like, I just don't know what to do with myself anymore. And I feel so uncomfortable. Just not a good time for me again <laughs> can people like please just mind your own goddamn business oh if God, I'm gonna yes. be honest like first of all ugh, like nobody should ever ever be commenting on somebody else's body like for yeah. so many reasons that is just beyond terrible and 
that person had no idea what you've been through for the past four years, five years, you know what I mean? Uh, Just, you never know somebody's story and it always comes from a place of their own insecurities or, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but God, just screw them. I know. I don't even know if, if they, I don't think they even meant it bad, but just, but still it shouldn't happen. Exactly. And I also think that you should, in general, never comment on anyone's physical appearance, like not their weight, not their physique or anything, even if you think you're complimenting them like, oh, you lost weight. Like, I also think that's a little bit dangerous because if someone who is not skinny, who has an eating disorder because they also exist, totally, it might be like another motivation for them to not eat again. And yeah, they just, you're not helping the situation. Right. Right. Sometimes I even think that there shouldn't be any comments about really anybody's eating habits in general, because sometimes like you're describing a certain thing can almost trigger the next. Yeah. And then maybe somebody wasn't even in that frame of mind, but now they are. Exactly. So let's, let's not comment on each other's bodies. Let's just, you know, accept ourselves. Exactly. Accept ourselves and accept everybody else. Exactly. When I graduated school when I was 19, I took a year off from school and I knew that I was going to study when I was 20 again. Mm. So I made sure I got all of that out of the way. And I really used that year more to focus on myself. And I, it definitely helped me a lot without the stress of school and things started getting a lot better for me. Um, My binge eating also subsided. That's wonderful. And I started also really not tracking my macros at all anymore. And it was a very difficult process because I still didn't know how to trust my body. Like I didn't know when I was really hungry, when I was really full. I felt like I was always hungry. Maybe I was always full. I just, I don't know. I didn't know what it was doing. And I also think it takes a lot of trial and error until you really, you know, until you really get to know your body. Also in this year, I I think it was when I was 19. I mean, this was only a year and a half ago. So ultimately I should remember, but I think that makes sense though, that some things get confused in your timeline because I'm sure there's a part of your brain that, um, wants to block out trauma. That's a way of protecting yourself. So it makes sense that it's, it's hard to recover or it's hard to remind yourself of. So yeah, it's also hard to recover, but well, yeah. yes, that too. That on my part. Wow. It's okay. Edwards. No, no, it's okay. I definitely learned a lot about my body and about just about myself in that year. Um, also, my weight dropped naturally. So like a lot of that excess weight that I gained from the binge eating just kind of fell away without me even having to intentionally do that. And I think that's also nice to know, like my body was kind of trusting itself my set point was not at the weight that I was at the time so sure it's good to know that my body was just like eating the normal amount of food that it needed and that it kind of just regulated itself and that's also something that people need to realize that you know the set point theory which is basically that every single person's body is kind of happy at their natural set point. So some people might have a higher set point and that's completely okay. Some people might have a lower set point. 
ultimately you have to feel okay in your body. You have to feel like you have energy. You can't feel like you don't have energy. You have to, you shouldn't feel like you're stuffed all the time. Like that's also not a good sign. So for me, I was stuffed all the time when I was binge eating. So I finally felt like a more normal person Mm -hmm. during this year. And I feel like I probably made the most progress during that year. I also was focused on like trying out functional training and watching Natasha Ocean and She's kind the best. of she is the best mm-hmm. and I was very inspired from her and I also realized like there are different forms of fitness as well like still I very much love weight training but I also love functional training now and I also I also started kickboxing while I was in the U.S. but I stopped that when I moved so it was a it was a year where I took up just boxing again and Mm -hmm. that also made me feel nice in a different way because it's like a skill that you're learning so it's like harder punches where to hit your reflexes it's just I didn't have to focus on my physique as much anymore and that's so so important to like shift your focus to something else that you can you can reach your like other goals that don't have to do with the way that you look I guess I should maybe talk about how I am now because I'm 20 now I turned 20 in August so I've been 24 half a year six months (laughs) wow (laughs) time flies wow I would say that I am mostly recovered from my eating disorder like I said I still have days where I might have certain tendencies or behaviors and I need to intentionally like not think the way that I used to because sometimes those thoughts come into my mind and to not do the things that I am used to or like old habits make sure I'm not falling back into that trap there are occasional days where I do binge eat or maybe even days where I feel like oh I shouldn't eat and it's important for me to acknowledge them if I don't acknowledge them then I feel like that will become a problem again so that's a really good point yeah accepting everything as it is and exactly accepting who you are and maybe who you want to become or yeah the the Nicole that you want to see bloom I think that's really really beautiful (laughs) you said that so beautifully oh god (laughs) you know I'm in a much better place now and I should just let that one day affect me and I shouldn't let that one day turn into two days I don't want to fall back into like this very long and deep trap that I was in before and I don't think it's even possible for me anymore to fall into a trap like that because I'm so aware of what I'm doing right and which is so amazing by the way yeah thank you so much I definitely think it's really important to be aware of what you're doing even when you're going wrong because you can learn from it ultimately of course. and get better. I still struggle with bad body image sometimes. And I think every single person on this earth does, you know, I accept myself and that's okay. There's still certain things that trigger me. Like I know that eating behaviors from others, like my boyfriend's eating behaviors, for example, one day might trigger me for some reason, because right. I don't know, maybe I think he's not eating enough one day. And then I think like, should I also be doing that? And it's, it sucks that I still think that way but at least I can tell myself like no you know you're a different person you have a different hunger level today you have a different metabolism blah 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 everything is going to be okay so I'm very happy that I can listen to my body more and that I've come so far and I want people to know that they can get this far because I know that when I was 
in that dark space back then, I was thinking like, I'm never going to be able to recover. Like, how is this going to work? I'm, I have a long way to go and I don't think I can do it. And I did do it though. So yes, you did. I'm happy happy about that. I'm happy too. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. And also I'm really happy because my, even my gym going behaviors are much better. Obviously we haven't had a gym since, you know, Corona. I am okay with that. I don't feel anxious because I can't go to the gym or Uh I don't feel anxious Uh if I can't work out a certain way. And there have been days where I haven't worked out for maybe a week and look at me, I'm still okay. Like I'm still living. Nothing has changed. Not even my body changed very much. So exactly. Yeah. Our bodies adapt and they are amazing things. And I want people to treat them right because it's the only thing that you have. You know, you only have yourself anyways in the end. It's so important to treat it well and to to cherish like literally this incredible machine that brings you every single day from wherever you're going and throughout your entire life. Like I said, it sounds so cheesy at times, but it's the truth and it's so important. But I love what you were saying a while back where you mentioned that so much of eating disorders is the illness, which is all in your mind, but the side effects are what happened to your body. So taking care of that properly and making sure that your mental health is okay and your mental health is in check and, and getting professional help is a strength. It's not a weakness in any way is so, so important if you're able, you know, to have a really strong recovery or to be recovered, or even just to seek help from loved ones, others, a best friend, a family member, whomever you trust. I think that's so powerful. Yeah. And I also just wish that a lot more people were educated about it because not many people know how dangerous it truly is. Like I said, a lot of people just think, oh, you know, they're just, they just need to learn how to eat properly. And it's so much more than that. It's so much more complicated. It messes your mind up a lot more than you think. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but it has the highest mortality rate of any mental disorder. And that is scary. So that is above all of the mental disorders that exist nowadays, at least that we're aware of. Anorexia is at the top of that. And people don't know that people actually don't, they don't even think like, oh, people die when they have anorexia, but people do. And Mm -hmm. I want to be able to prevent that for people if I can, at least. I mean, this is a really important first step is even just working to break down stigmas or working to normalize talking about these mental illnesses, because it's probably more common than we acknowledge, or even the numbers of people who have an eating disorder are only those that have been diagnosed. How many people maybe have disordered eating or uh, maybe have an eating disorder that's undiagnosed that should also, you know, be acknowledged as well. Just having the vulnerability and the bravery to share your story is helping others. Thank you so much. I definitely couldn't have done this a few years back, but it's not something that I really am ashamed of anymore. And I know that from personal experience, I've helped at least one person kind of realize that they had an eating disorder. And that made me really happy because she finally was able to take the steps to recover. And she seems so much healthier and happier now. And that's also another thing, like you feel so much happier and you feel like you're actually living Once you start actually nourishing your body and kind of coming away from this 
controlling element that the eating disorder has over you. Right. So I mentioned before that everyone (laughs) recovers at their own pace and that that's completely okay. And that even today, sometimes I still struggle occasionally. And I sometimes get very discouraged about it. Yeah, I might cry about it. You know, there are those days, bad days, build better days. I've heard that from somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's from this Instagram account called Auburn Nutter. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure she also had an eating disorder and she kind of created this whole bad days, build better days. And that also stuck with me. I love that. But yeah, me too. (laughs) And Uh, Whenever I think about like, oh, why am I not 100% recovered? You know, why do I still occasionally have these days where I still have my old habits? And someone, I don't know who, someone said or asked rather, would you expect an alcoholic to look at alcohol the same after having alcoholism? And obviously you wouldn't. And so that's the same thing with an eating disorder because you can't expect someone to look at food the same mm-hmm. if they've had one because mm-hmm. it's it's stuck with you mentally and it takes so much, you know, of your mental energy. So obviously it's not just going to go away just like that, you know, with the snap of the fingers. It's It all takes a lot of time and you also have to accept that it takes time, but ultimately, eventually it will get better. I love that. That was the perfect analogy, I think, because- <laughs> I don't know why sometimes there's weird stigmas with eating disorders. You know, sometimes there's just really horrible vernacular that gets thrown around, just kind of rudely used phrases that are very demoralizing and often very hurtful, but you wouldn't use that same kind of vernacular, that same type of language with other mental illnesses or other very serious diseases. So why would you do that with an eating disorder and having conversations like these is really important in, in breaking down a lot of those just really hurtful stigmas. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it also helps people open up more about it of course. and maybe become a little bit more comfortable with it and just accepting of it because I wasn't accepting of mine. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I just want to one, applaud you and also to just thank you because it was so strong and admirable of you to approach me in wanting to share your story because, you know, I, I could have sought out somebody that I know or somebody who maybe I've connected with that wants to share their story. But I think it's even more powerful to know that you wanted to come and talk and you had a really beautiful journey to share and that you want other people to learn from. So first and foremost, applaud you for just being so open, being so vulnerable and having such a kind heart that you want to open yourself up to others. And I mean, I'm not going to like offer up your DMS or something, but I'm sure so many people, (laughs) you know, would love to connect with you on a deeper level. And I'm sure that they got that good experience, even just from hearing you on the podcast today. Thank you for your time and and wanting to do this and, and for trusting me and allowing me to, to talk with you and just being the best as you are. Is there, is there any things that like you, I guess, want to leave people with like ending messages or anything that would maybe you would have loved to hear? I mean, I know you gave so many cute little phrases (laughs) and beautiful things throughout the, the podcast, but anything that you'd love to 
recommend even as a resource. One thing that I didn't say is that I would definitely unfollow a lot of toxic people on Instagram or on whatever you know you use even TikTok TikTok is terrible sometimes in terms of toxicity mm. and I would start following people that are a lot more body positive and talk a lot more about self-love so that might be you know people that people already know so like Whitney Simmons for example or there's also Linda Sun and there's also Natasha Ocean because we mentioned her already. Yes. <laughs> um, there's also Fit Bexy. Her name is Bex Hunter. She reminds me a lot of Natasha Ocean. Mm. So there's her as well. There are just a lot of people, honestly. There's also Diana Malloy. Like some of these people aren't even as known for some reason. <laughs> right. um, or Jen Bretty. And it's amazing to see how differently they recovered so some of them you know they fell in love with weight training and that's what they continue doing some of them just fell in love with just living you know traveling and it's going to be different for every single person and for me it was weightlifting but it's not just weightlifting you know I also like to go kickboxing I like to go snowboarding it's like a mix of things I am just an active person in general because I have a lot of energy if you haven't if you couldn't tell already, by the way, I've been speaking. No, I love that. So I love I that. Exerted somehow, but of course, yeah. I'm also not talented at like drawing or stuff, but some people might be, and that's what they might find joy in. So you know, just mm-hmm. I guess try and replace bad habits with good habits. Maybe turn it into something better. You know, use the time. I know that you have to rest a lot when you're in recovery. A lot of people they might take advantage of that and they might think oh I have to be moving all the time like no you don't it's okay if you literally spend weeks on the couch eating chips watching Netflix it's okay just find things that you love and put your energy into that and use it to your advantage to kind of help you through the dark time that you're going through it sounds a lot easier said than done obviously but it definitely helps you in the long run and I think that when you look back on it you're going to be so proud of what you did and like the turning points that happened try your best to not let your eating disorder control you you know you have to think about you might think that you're in control but your eating disorder is in control and you need to kind of take back that control and it might sound Mm -hmm. counterintuitive (laughs) but that means you know like maybe letting go of the control over food so that might be eating a fear food for a meal or eating maybe an entire day without tracking your macros or calories or even just not doing thing doing anything all day so not moving for example because some people like me you know I would have been very scared to do that so you need to challenge yourself I always say I would say like my life quote is nothing comes from nothing so you know you have to challenge yourself in order to move forward and i hope it helps someone out there i really do nicole you're amazing thank you so much for your time thank you so much for zooming in literally we're talking at um 1:30 in the morning for you it's 12:30 in the morning for me 12:30 <laughs> in the morning you're still so full of energy it's such a bright light so thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate you i'll leave additional resources in the podcast description i'll also leave nicole's information in the description box as well but thank you so much for your time your bravery i love you you're amazing and i appreciate you thank you so much i appreciate you too i love you too and thank you so much for having me <laughs> okay you're the best <laughs>